All right, so bonus round. Let's talk about narrative. Let's talk about the importance of narrative in board games. Now, we talked a good bit about story and storytelling in the main show, uh, but it was more in the RPG space. But let's kind of switch you know, switch angles and kind of look at it from a board game standpoint. What are your guys' thoughts on narrative in the, the board game realm? Well, first of all, this is Stephen. I want to set the table a little bit here. I'm... I'm I'm sitting here with a uh, you know a Hollywood screenwriter and and an English teacher, so I, I feel a little bit outgunned. Um, but I I will say one of the things that I I really appreciated that Michael did. Um, first of all, he I think he wrote like six adventures before I did, and just started hammering those out. But you know he sat me down and and just just encouraged me to simplify as much as I can and tell, you know, just just really simple stories that had a very clear beginning, middle and end. Um, and you guys are going to be able to elaborate and flesh that out much better than I am. But um, as as far as it relates to, you know, storytelling and narrative in the board game space in the tabletop RPG space, um, that was really good uh, direction for me as far as being able to write an adventure that was really digestible for our audience. I'm going to um, say that a little bit different way and, and probably better. <laughs> uh, and that is, I think I see this all the time with new screenwriters and, um, and I think it's, it's a good rule to apply to world building and narrative um, in, in board game development. And that is, and this is, be, pay attention, this is going to sound backwards at first, but I, I mean it this way. It's actually really easy to be clever, and it's really hard to be clear. And you would way rather be clear than clever, yeah. trust me. Yeah. And I think a really yeah. good example of that is freaking Settlers of Catan, man. Like, all you need to know for the narrative of Settlers of Catan is that there is this island. The name of the island is Catan. There are resources available on that island, and you're trying to gather them and build. Uh, and build. I, I, honestly, like that's kind of what the story and the narrative and the world of Catan is. And I'm telling you, man, because I'm guilty of it. Like it's easy to say, okay, the game's going to be called Settlers of Catan. And there's all these different factions and there's an underworld and there's an overworld and there's 15 different resources. And, you know, you don't, it's way better to be clear as opposed to being clever. And in terms of building your theme and your art and your characters and your world and your narrative, I you should always be asking, is this clear instead of is this clever? Uh, this, this I think this is also in that same conversation. One of the first things Michael said is, uh, you know, good writing, all you need for a good story is a protagonist. That's you know relatable or likable or identify you ident you don't have to like him but you have to identify with him, and he wants one thing, and then there's just something or anything in the way an obstacle that's keeping him from from getting it. Like you have a story there, right? It doesn't it doesn't matter what it is, yeah. um, but that will be entertaining to follow. And yeah, I just I always come back to that when I'm sitting down to to write an adventure to, like you said, be clear and be simple and just have you know that this one clear. Uh, mission, so to speak, or adventure for uh, for the heroes to go on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's actually the very first day of class. That's actually the, the point that I teach my students first thing, that to have a story, you need four things. A character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it or, or not, right? And you need those four things. And so that's kind of where we build the basic structure of how we're going to talk about stories and how we're going to write stories is you just need those four things. And I think going into a game, 
scenario and thinking the same way is is really the way to go. And also not trying to be, I don't, I don't want to say like super creative is not the right way to say it. Like not trying to be super original. I think it's another thing that people like go in like, okay, I've had to create this crazy original story and they end up creating a really crappy story <laughs> just to be different. It's like, there's no new stories. There's just like new yeah. ways of doing it maybe, but like every story that's, that's going to be told has already been told. And it's like, what can you learn from other people, other, whether it's video games or books or movies or whatever that you can kind of bring over into a gaming environment and maybe tweak it and change it a little bit. But I, I heard a, I read a quote a while back and it said, an author is only as good as the obscurity of the material he steals from. Oh, right? that's if you, brilliant. yeah, if you steal from well-known stuff, people think you're a, a hack. If you steal from things no one's ever heard of, <laughs> then you're a genius, right? They're like, wow, this is amazing. Like there's so many times in my, my class where I've created this, these different aspects of, of the, the RPG story. And they're like, wow, Mr. Barrett, you're so smart. Like you should write books. And I was like, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> like I totally just ripped that off from a book you're never going to read. Yeah. That's all like the black company has been amazing for, for like borrowing ideas and stuff. This is, and so I think that's nothing. This is funny. Find things and I'll, I'll piggyback on it. Um, yeah. Don't quote me on this because I read Hamlet in college and I'm 34. So it's been um, a long time since I read it, but yeah. I have a two-year-old son. I was watching The Lion King today, and I was like, yep. this is just Hamlet. This is the <laughs> yep. exact same story, literally, except it's animals. And right. yeah, so I just, I completely agree with you, Gabe. I And I I feel like it's worth stepping out here. I actually, I run three different writers groups out here in in Hollywood, and we've got a whole you know variety of um, skill levels. Some people have reps and have sold stuff. Others are just starting out. And the difference between the people that have sold stuff and and are brand new is they the the new writers just have they just don't have an understanding of that super basic fundamental story you know what what it yeah. takes to write a story and right. and like I also said they want they put seven plots in like there's there's so much yeah. happening that you it's it's yeah it's like it's disorienting you know it's hard to follow. Yeah, definitely. And what I've been recently teaching my, my students is the the story structure of the hero's journey, you know, from Joseph Campbell and just talking about all the different beats and the, the different things that he he realized that millions of stories all across the world, all religions, all cultures, all races, all languages, they had these very similar things in common. And it's almost like something innate in us, just natural, yeah. that was drawn to these these types of stories. And when you tell that story properly, like people are just, they, they love it. They, they're interested in, they're engaged with it. I mean, that's JK Rowling is a prime example. She told the hero's journey properly and became richer than the queen of England because of it, because so many people loved it. And they were like, wow, this is amazing. This Harry Potter stuff is, is awesome. You know, uh, George Lucas in the original star Wars movies, he told the, the story properly. He actually had Joseph Campbell consult on the original script for star Wars, which is why the, the didn't story that. of Luke that's Skywalker. Awesome. Yeah. It's why Luke Skywalker's story follows the hero's journey perfectly. And why it's so easy to teach it. I read Joseph Campbell. Yeah. I read the hero's journey and the exercise that I did that I loved was taking the beats that are outlined in the hero's journey and applying it to yep. Lord of the Rings. And then I also did it for the matrix. And it's, yep. I mean, it, it's, it's uncanny. It's amazing. Like mm -hmm. the exact beats, like meeting the call to adventure, refusing the adventure, meeting the mentor, like the moment where yep. all hope is lost. Every great story that you have ever heard or read has those exact beats. I mean, it's, it's amazing. 
And even if you look like the story of Moses and like the story mm-hmm. of all these like old school, you know, way back from, you know, 10,000 plus years ago stories, they all follow yep, the same, same pattern. And it's just, it's super interesting. Now I will say this. I mean, I guess just to, to throw a wrench or, 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 or a different angle into, yeah. into the discussion, like what is genius to me and what is innovative and, and so exciting about storytelling is the world building aspect of it, right? Like obviously, yes, it's the same uh, beats, uh, in, in, in every hero's journey, but you know, the, whether it's, um, uh, uh, oh my God, middle earth. Sorry. I was blanking on the Lord of the Rings, middle earth or the star Wars universe. Um, or, uh, or even like world of Warcraft was a, a great universe that, that we dove into the Marvel universe. Um, you know, th- there's real genius and innovation in that. And I think, uh, that's what gets people to to fall in love with the story just as much as you know the the tried and true hero's journey. What what are you going to say, Michael Smirking at me right now? Well, Steve, I'm just I'm very well educated. Uh, <laughs> so here, look, I obviously agree, but I I think that the the world building in the universe is is the way in, but the hook yeah. is the character. And if you Agreed. and and typically it comes down to the flaw, like is. Because mm-hmm. if you just have, you know, the knight in shining armor that saves the day all the time, that's just not as interesting as... Uh, Gabe, what are the chances that you watch Game of Thrones? I have seen several episodes, but I am not like a diehard fan. Okay. Pause for Steve and I to start crying hysterically because it's <laughs> such a mistake. It's the best story that's ever been told. Anyway, uh, Game of Thrones, what it illustrates really well is that, you know, the good guys don't always dress in white. The bad guys don't always dress in yeah. black. There are people that you think are good that end up doing really bad things and people that you think are bad guys end up doing really good things. And so for me, while all these story beats are the same in every great story and the world is certainly kind of like the appetizer you know, like, like you're saying, Steve, if someone at the minute I saw someone turn on a lightsaber, I was like, Oh my God, I am in. But what makes you love the story and want to watch it over and over is Luke is, and you know, the, his, his blog yeah. character. So anyway, but I digress. No, I totally agree. And it's actually, I think you can make a very good comparison about this whole conversation. But if you talk about the difference between Luke Skywalker and Ray, the, from the new movies mm. because Luke had flaws and he had, he needed a mentor. He needed help. He needed Han Solo to come in and help him save the day. Like he needed all his stuff. Fast forward to episode seven and eight. Ray doesn't need anybody. Like the first time she picked up a lightsaber, she beat Kylo Ren, who was a trained assassin in using a lightsaber. Yeah. Like, well, they tried to, what? they tried to push this whole like identity crisis. Like, I don't know my part in all of this and I don't know mm-hmm. where I'm from, but like, that just no one cares. Like if you, you already said it, but as soon as you beat the toughest bad guy in the universe in single hand, one-on-one melee combat, your whole identity crisis is like, well, you don't really need to know where you come from because you're right. Yeah. That's, that's a really, really good point. Like two days ago, you found out the force was real. Yesterday you found out lightsabers were real. Today you're a a genius with both of them. It's like, (laughs) huh. And like people don't relate to that. And so like that's why I feel like Luke Skywalker is so beloved and Ray people are like, oh, I don't know, she's fine, I guess." Like she's not a beloved character because she's not a real like we don't feel like she's real. We don't relate to her as as someone who's trying and failing on stuff. It's it's yeah, it's just frustrating. And if you like if you try to track her journey on the hero's journey, it does not fit. Like it does not match up at all. Like she does not follow the path whatsoever. And I feel like even with the amazing world and special effects and music and sound effects and like money thrown at it, 
It's just people don't relate to it the way they, they probably would had they followed the, the journey a little bit closer. I will concede, but as just a quick counterpoint, X-Wings and Ewoks and Bell Rock, you know, I mean, just come on. Come on. The world, the world is awesome, but yeah. No, agreed. I totally agree. Like when you, when you have all these things coming together, again, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, The Matrix, like when you have amazing characters that are well-written that also come together with awesome, like just amazing worlds, world, yeah. billion, uh, billions of dollars. Like, period. People love it. They eat it up. They go to see the movie five times in the same weekend. Mm-hmm. Like, they can't get enough of it. And I think that's the, the difference. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the character that drives it. I, you, you're right. Sure. And all that, let's let's bring it on back. Any other thoughts on storytelling and board games? We, we kind of digress a little bit. But any any thoughts on like how to make uh, board games more narrative-driven or to bring these story elements into games? Like, what are your thoughts on bringing in the three-act structure? So, you know, for instance, or bringing in the structure of the hero's journey into a board game. Like, I, I know with Pandemic Legacy, Rob Davio has talked about, he he read these different books that we've been talking about as far as storytelling, and that's what helped him write the overarching story for Pandemic Legacy, which was the number one game in the world for a while, and I think it's still like number two or three, something like that. And so, obviously, these story elements can can matter and can like make a big difference in games. But any thoughts on this kind of structure. Yeah. I mean, the thing I, the thing I grabbed onto as soon as you said it was beginning, middle and end. And I think that games are really interesting when they have early game, mid game and late game strategy components to it. And, you know, you can certainly tie that into, you know, to story elements and into the world. But, but I, I think that games are really interesting when they, yeah, or can be really interesting and can have another layer to them. If yeah, if there's different phases, you know, which is which is really cool. You know what? I kind of, I, I, for some reason, I'm feeling the the need to put a flag in the ground or kind of draw a line in the sand, um, and separate tabletop RPGs versus traditional board games. Like the w- w- one of the last games Mike and I played together, I think we already mentioned was uh, Arkham Horror, the Living Card Game. And there are there are literally, you know, there's like a scene and an act, like an Act One, Act Two, Act Three, uh, that certainly tried to do it. We we really like the game, but um, as as far as being able to really tell a compelling story. Uh, cooperatively or otherwise, that has a beginning, middle, and end. I just I don't think you you, you have a better medium to do that uh, f- from a gaming perspective than a tabletop RPG. Um, Pandemic is there and Zombie Side is there, but um, I, gosh, I I guess I just feel like the the, the mechanics that come with traditional traditional board games um, are are too much of a constraint for really getting to that. I'd love to be proven wrong, by the way, but um, it, yeah, it's just too hard to get that that really uh, in-depth, colorful, uh, vibrant, immersive story. I have a question. Gabe, have yeah. you played Gloomhaven yet? I have not. So I, I don't, I haven't either, but it <laughs> seems like Gloomhaven is trying to do that because I don't think Gloomhaven is a tabletop RPG, right? I think it's a board game. No, not at all. It's very much a board game. Yeah. Right, but from what I can tell from yeah. the videos that I've seen and the pictures I've seen, first of all, just the box alone, I just want to get it because it's so gigantic. And 25 I've never, pounds. I've never yep. seen anything like it, but I'm pretty sure that's what they're trying to do. I think they tell contained, maybe not procedural, maybe it's like serialized storytelling, but you know, it's a straight up board game with yeah. miniatures and... Uh, yeah, I don't know how any of the mechanics work, obviously, but I think that's a step in, in the direction of what we're talking about. 
Yeah, Gloomhaven is interesting. I've, I've watched several playthrough videos of just trying to like understand it and get a feel for it and, and figure out the mechanics and, you know, what can I learn from this game? And so it's it really, there's story elements in there and there's some choices. Hey, do you, do you go down this road or that road? And so there are some story elements, but it's really just a tactical combat game okay. mainly with, with some story elements thrown in. I think that's one way board games can kind of add the story stuff. And I totally agree that board games will never reach the depth of story that a tabletop RPG can, mm-hmm. but I think they can also do it in a different way. Sure. So the storytelling can be a little bit different. Have you guys ever played Lahav? No. No, I haven't even heard of that one. Usually, okay. at least super heard great. Of yeah, yeah. So it came out years ago. Super great game. Uh, no story whatsoever. Like this is a straight up Euro game. But when you're playing the game, there's like definite moments where you're like, "Wow, okay, the game has changed." Like at the beginning, you're you're just starting out. You can get one resource here, two resources there. You're kind of building things up, and then mid game, you're like, "Okay, my engine's moving. I've built these things. I can convert this to that. I can do all this stuff." And then you you hit this like it ramps up, and so like the game speeds up as it gets as it uh, progresses, and you get into like the third act, so to speak, and like your your strategy in the third uh, third part of the game is totally different than it was in the first yeah, two. Parts. I love that. It's like you, I, I love when yeah. that happens. And that's a Euro game. And so I feel like it tells this story and you obviously have to read between the lines because there's no narrative in there. There's no storytelling going on, but you can, you kind of read between, but the mechanisms of the game, you feel like the game progresses. You feel like a narrative kind of thing is happening, even if it's just in the structure of kind of how the game plays out. And I feel like board games can do that. Uh, and, and and should. I feel like people will be more drawn to them for that experience when they do that kind of thing, as opposed to, okay, turn number one was the exact same as turn number 20, and it, it all kind of felt the same. Gabe, I am feeling this feeling in my chest, in, in my feeling face, that I'm going to have a hard time falling asleep tonight because this question is going to drive, like I'm going to be thinking about it <laughs> over and over and over because I think there is something there. And like, obviously I, and yeah. I agree with Steve. I think you do need to draw a line in the sand to a certain degree and say like, ah, you're just not going to be able to, but I don't know. But I mean, I maybe there is a way to really tie in like a, an evolving narrative or a changing narrative into like a three act mm-hmm. structure into phases of, of gameplay. I, I, it's really interesting. Well, have you guys seen uh, Chronicles of Crime that just came out? Mm-mm. Okay, that's another one you got to check out. It's it's app driven. I think that's another way we can oh, maybe that's a different angle. Is so it's a crime solving game, and you've got all these QR codes and all these cards, and you've got all these locations, and you can you, it's all on your phone. You can kind of look around the crime scene and see different items and what you know what might be evidence and things like that. And so you're story driven, like you're going to talk to different people and investigating here and interviewing that person over there. And you're trying to come up with, all right, who did it? And what's the evidence? What was the motive and all that? And they've got tons of different scenarios and all this kind of stuff. And so I feel like, you know, using apps might be a, a way wow. to go. So there's only so many cards you can have in a box, right? right? It just gets too out of, out of hand. But with an app, I mean, that's infinite. And you can update things and add new scenarios and things like that. Wow. And so maybe that's kind of where games are going yeah. for the storytelling. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I certainly think, you know, they're... Five years, ten years from now, there there will be a a pretty blurred or blended line between board games and mobile yep. apps, right? I actually think the yep. the big tech that's going to change the board game world is augmented reality. Yeah, sure. I think that's going to yeah, yeah, and I mean certainly that'll allow for a whole different way to tell stories and have mechanics that I mean we don't even know about yet because because we play in Star Wars right. chess from the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Finally, fifty years later, we actually get to that point. Yeah. <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, gentlemen, again, it's been great talking to you. I've had a lot of fun. This has been uh, an awesome uh, episode and, and bonus round. And so thank you guys so much for your time. And uh, just good luck with all the many projects that you got going on right now. Gabe, you can expect an email from us in about 48 hours following up on the uh, the, the narrative <laughs> Gabe mechanic question. But <laughs> yeah, man, agree. I look forward to yeah, it. Yeah, we, uh, we had an absolute blast. Thank you so much for having us on. Yeah, dude, much love, buddy. Thanks for having us.